Well, a very consequential week. Uh, Mass yesterday, the priest said, uh, <laughs> he said, uh, the Pope is in and Boehner's out. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was pretty, yeah, that's our, that's our parish, man. That's Blessed Sacrament. Teddy Kennedy used to go there. Henry Cisneros is uh, Mark Shields. Takes collections. I mean, it's a, it's a, it, you know, we wonder why the Catholic Church is in crisis. You know, Teddy Kennedy and Chris Matthews and I all go to the same church. That's a, <laughs> that's a indication. Anyway, a lot happened. Uh, Pope and John Boehner. Somebody was there for both. Uh, through the person of uh, being with the person of John Boehner was our special guest, national political reporter for the Washington Post, Robert Costa. Robert, good morning. Good morning, Dr. Bennett. Great to have you with us. Tell us first, we're going to talk about significance of Boehner's step-down, but tell us first about this uh, moving story you wrote about in the Post about uh, the Pope and Boehner. It was a Thursday night, about 14 hours before Boehner announced his resignation, and I was outside his office hearing rumors about a possible stepping down, and I thought I might as well just hang out. So I waited there for a couple hours, and finally he appeared, and I, he pulled us aside, my, another reporter and I, and we went over by this area on the first floor near a bus to Winston Churchill. He started to reenact his whole encounter with the Pope. And uh, he, he, about school children were nearby, and Boehner, of course, said he, he cried. But then the Pope pulled Boehner in, inches from him, and said, please pray for me. And I think the way Boehner told it, he said he was a blessed man. Wouldn't tell us at the time he was resigning. But the other reporter and I, we looked at each other, and we said, something's changed with the Speaker of the House. Whatever it is, he is at peace. Interesting, very interesting. Okay, he does um, he does step down, um, and uh, and now we'll see what happens. Uh, just on the most practical level, uh, most specific level, what happens? Does it go to Kevin McCarthy? Likely to Kevin McCarthy. There is some frustration among the conservatives that having McCarthy be the easy successor doesn't really clarify things or fix things from their point of view. They'd like a real race. That's why this week you're going to see a special House GOP conference meeting to discuss the process of the House and to really go over, regardless of who becomes the next speaker, what's going to change institutionally within the conference. McCarthy has the votes. He's a popular figure. He's also really one of the only people left who's seasoned in the leadership. And some of his rivals, perhaps Jeb Henselin of Texas and others, they don't look like they're angling for a run. So the real competition for majority leader, the number two slot, majority whip for number three. Yeah, I noticed that. I, I heard people, I was at the Values Voter Summit, and I don't know, did you get over there at all, Robert? Stopped by briefly. Always liked going there, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, there was a lot of talk about uh, Henserling and Jim Jordan. Doesn't look like they're getting in. Looks like Daniel Webster may get in, right? That's what we heard that. Daniel Webster is in. Remember, he got 12 votes against Boehner right. in January. Right. More of a long-shot contender, though. I think the question is not, does a Tea Party or conservative favorite win the speakership? But how do they change and affect the speaker election? What do they force McCarthy to assure them of uh, before he picks up the gavel? Yeah, I, w- I wonder about that. And what, what does change? I hear you had Marco Rubio announcing, not uh, looking for big applause, but just telling the audience at Values Voter Summit, uh, that uh, Boehner was stepping down and what a standing ovation. People go r- r- jump to their feet, as many of our audience are doing right now. We've had calls all morning on this, but um, not not all, but many. Um, but uh, w- what does it change? What happens? I mean, if McCarthy takes the reins, can we see a dramatic? Will we see a dramatic change? Do do conservatives expect a dramatic change? Well, conservatives definitely want to be brought into the discussions more in the leadership. 
And they do trust McCarthy to do that. He's done a lot to reach out to them. But in terms of ideology, McCarthy is very similar to Boehner. Uh, easygoing temperament, uh, center-right, conservative voting record, uh, but not seen as someone who's just in line with the, the right flank of the conference. I think what you're going to see is a real debate over tactics and divided government. The Republicans in the House are frustrated about how the leadership so far has countered the Obama agenda. And I'd like to see some more aggression, and whether that means more oversight of Planned Parenthood, whether it means another fiscal showdown, I think the leadership would like to avoid the latter. But when it comes to using the committees and using the tools of the House, conservatives would just like to see more done across the board. I was in a conversation, Robert, about this, and people suggested that uh, what actually Boehner's talked about, which is appointment of a special committee to look into Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood, you've heard about this, right? Exactly. And and so I, we heard about this, too, and that this was part of McCarthy's plan. Uh, now, that's not exactly confrontational politics, right, uh, to appoint a special committee to look into it? Uh, that's from, uh, but it's all about how you navigate it. The House is a tricky place, so yeah. maybe a special committee is not enough for some. But if you put a conservative on top of that committee who's seen as aggressive, who's seen as one of them on the right, maybe that is enough. I mean, that's the job of House Speaker. It's not so much just having a showdown. It's whether you can figure out how to make everyone happy in a group of hundreds of people from all over the country. It's a balancing act. And McCarthy, he's good at relationships. We'll see how good he is governing the whole conference. But if anyone's ready to do it and at least be an interim speaker of sorts for the next year before there's another major leadership election, it's likely McCarthy. So you, you point this committee, advice, comment well taken, you appoint this committee, put a conservative in charge of it, somebody who's clearly a pro-life, very strong pro-life conservative. So you have the kind of domestic equivalent of, of Trey Gowdy on the Benghazi committee. That's the point. Exactly. And, and Trey Gowdy, you know, he's a prosecutor who rarely, if ever, lost a case. That was seen as a savvy move by Boehner. More wanted, people wanted more done. Yeah. Boehner has limited what he could do, but he figured out a way to make conservatives a little more happy, even as they, they simmer with frustration. Okay. Now let's uh, be, be specific. And, and, you know, I don't expect you to be expert on all these issues, but let's follow this through. Uh, when I heard this, I said, well, okay, there's the successor. If it's, it's McCarthy, he appoints a committee, names a conservative, uh, and they go to, go to a committee. But, you know... Is 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 that all there is? I, I, no, I, that's not I, all there is. Because I said, you know, you've got you've got an awful lot of people in this country, conservatives in this country, virtually saying a test of manhood in this party is whether you're ready to shut the daggone government down. Right. So another tool that's being talked about on Capitol Hill, and I can report this with with a confidence, is that the budget process remains as something the leadership is looking at and where Planned Parenthood and abortion funding could be targeted. Okay. Whereas if Boehner passed the long-term spending bill now to fund the whole government, the reconciliation process with the Senate forcing some kind of gutting of the Planned Parenthood funding in longer budget talks is another option. It's a little more complicated. Different legislative moves would need to be done, but it's possible. So through, <clears throat> through budget reconciliation with the Senate, is that right? That's correct. <clears throat> okay. We had heard, I don't know if you have an opinion on this, but boy, this gets into the weeds. We had heard that even if you shut the government down, which is not what you're just saying, but if you shut the government down, since uh, a lot of Planned Parenthood funding is part of Medicaid funding, you're not going to shut down Planned Parenthood anyway because it's an entitlement that keeps rolling. Well, that's the argument Boehner allies have been making to the conservatives. I mean, they, 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 there's a whole memo uh, that's reportedly been passed around about 
what a government shutdown would do in terms of real terms of, of stopping abortion funding, and, and it's really limited. That's why Boehner's idea and the leadership's idea of a special committee and budget reconciliation is you really want to take it out of the entire government. It's a longer process and not something that an impasse that will last a few days will solve and something that President Obama will eventually end uh, regardless. Obama has shown in the past he does not get pressured by shutdowns. Yeah, gotcha. We're talking to Robert Costa, a national political reporter for The Washington Post. By the way, when we refer to his articles as we're doing and drawing from them in this interview, we put a link up to them in, on our site. Uh, two other questions, Robert. We'll let you go. We know how busy you are. I really appreciate the time. One is, uh, will we see the same kind of heat on McConnell to step down? A lot of our people are saying that's one. Now we got to get the other. I don't see any indication on his part that he's ready to step down. Totally different situation. I was uh, with McConnell and his circle a couple days ago, and McConnell has deep political capital within the Senate. He has wide support. Um, even Mike Lee, an ally of Ted Cruz, has become closer to McConnell over the years. I'm not sure Senator Lee would like me saying that, but that's just true based <laughs> on my reporting. <laughs> but Mike, Last I mean, interview with Lee. All right, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also think McConnell's given a lot of credit by his colleagues for the 2014 sweep, and he's seen as someone who doesn't really have a threat from the right. Uh, Cornyn, Roy Blunt, uh, J- John Thune, these are not people who are looking to take the throne Ted Cruz, he likes McConnell as a foil in his presidential race, but not looking to be in Senate leadership. Wow, that's so interesting because, you know, in a lot of the, a lot of the voices we get, you know, he's kind of public enemy number one. One of the things that's frustrated me is I've said, you guys are more upset with uh, McConnell and Boehner than you are with Obama. But uh, he's, 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 he's pretty immune from this kind of stuff, so he'll be, he'll be there. All right, back to the House then, Robert. Um, will this... Will Boehner stepping down result in major changes in strategy, tactics, results? Uh, It's going to result in more conservative voices in the leadership, and that may make a lot of people on the right happy in the short term. But whether McCarthy can navigate divided government, whether he can really broker bargains or conservative deals with President Obama remains to be seen. Uh, He just hasn't had that kind of high-level experience. Steve Scalise and others who are looking at the other spots don't really have that experience. So we're entering an unpredictable season in Republican politics where any kind of prediction you really don't know because this is a new generation that's rising and they have to be tested. Just quickly, what are the conservative ascendancies uh, in the leadership that one would see? Who, who, Who is conservative would ascend and ascend to what? Possibly. I think Scalise, perhaps, the majority leader. Peter Roskam, uh, looking reportedly at running for majority leader. Catherine Morris-Rogers, uh, one of the lone females in the leadership. She's looking for that same number two slot. Tom Price of Georgia, uh, budget committee chairman, looking for a comeback. Lost the leadership race in 2012. He's looking. It's going to be a crowded race for majority leader. Majority whip, you got Patrick McHenry of North Carolina. Right. And a whole slew of others. So it's going to be wild. Okay, so that's the drama there, worth watching. But it seems to me the main drama, the center stage, center ring, is still the presidential run, right? That's that's where most of the attention still got Entirely, and it's still a race dominated by outsiders. Yeah, it's amazing. So we're talking about these insiders, who's going to be where, what difference is going to make. Meanwhile, on the presidential front, it's all about the outsiders. Fascinating times. Thank you, Robert.